Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategy inspires leaders to grow their companies from startup to 40 million and beyond by designing world-class strategic plans and help keeping them accountable to actually get it done. Go to 40strategy.com to learn more. Often we like to do shout outs and our shout out this week is to Chad Lubinsky. Chad is a creator and outdoorsman. He recently completed the Cascades 100, which is no small feat, a hundred mile climb in the Cascade Mountains here out in Oregon, about 12,500 elevation climb and descent. And he fortunately revived me to Cameron Dorn, our guest today. Cameron is a very special human being. Like I can't talk about, can't wait to talk about more. He's the founder and CEO of the Suitcase of Courage. He's a two-time Guinness world record holder. And he's also the two-time national champion in triathlon. And he's a believer that small town does not mean small opportunity. Cameron, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. Thank you, Carl. Great to be with you today. So Cameron, let's start out with the Suitcase of Courage. Tell us more about what that is. Suitcase of Courage. So as a company, it's the belief we bring a suitcase to your location to learn about actually what the health and wellness of your employees entail. So musculoskeletal injuries are big in the manufacturing workforce these days as the average age of the employee increases. Our goal is to lower that MSK number and let the employees go home healthier and happier than they walked in the door. We also build a gym on site for these companies, and they have access to it 24 hours a day, along with trainers, which we certify, and they can take free classes such as boot camp, body fit, couch to 5K, learn about their heart rate, or yoga classes. That is the suitcase of courage. And what type of results have your clients seen as a result of taking on taking this on it's great we started in 2013 carl so in 2013 it was an idea that we can do this now we've achieved the results that show we are actually doing this it's more than an idea what they achieve initially or what they achieved initially is the lower musculoskeletal injuries so those catastrophic sprains and strains you see like rotator cuff injuries or lower back injuries we actually analyze the job task and look at the movements and motions and then put them on exercises designed to increase their range of motion, strength and endurance, which over time lowers their risk of injury occurring and changing the job task around so that they have a better place to work throughout the day. Nice. And is this for from an employee? One of the big concerns from employers, right, is two things. One is being their team being able to work, right? That's and then right. you had the second part, which is, trying to reduce workers' compensation. What type of results are they seeing as when people are heading into this? Are they starting to see those results impact them? Right, hand in hand. So in the workplace, your injuries are going to come from a new hire employee. And right now there's a lot of turnover. So someone's more likely to get hurt, 80% likely to get hurt within their first year of the job. Mm -hmm. But these catastrophic injuries, for example, my mother was a nurse. And she was working in a hospital for 20 years. And then she lifted a patient that was a little too heavy. Maybe she should have, she definitely should have team lifted that patient. And her injury was way more catastrophic than just a cut on the hand or a slight sprain. She actually had to have surgery on her lower back and her lumbar spine 
wow. led me to think about when I was in grad school, I wrote my dissertation on employee wellness as it relates to employer benefit. But I'm like, my mother should have never been hurt. And that would save her. But it also saves the employer on the back end with the catastrophic spin that they have to allocate to those injuries. Wow. Wow. So what type of, I'm curious from a size, um, um, companies are typically looking to pick up services like this? Large manufacturing organizations are our ideal client, upwards of 80 employees, I would say. And that work, we're trying to work with rotation and build that in, but there's still a lot of people working 12 hour swing shifts. Think about it, Carl, you're driving an hour through the night on a shift that you're not used to working. Your body's in disarray. So we try to get it grounded to start the day. So you don't walk in from the cold Northeast and try to lift an overhead door and you realize that door is just locked. Let's unlock it. So that's that. Let's start the day. Here's our process. And then that's how we go about it. No matter if we're in the Northeast, Southeast or Northwest. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And you have, I think you you still have five employees, right? That's right. How big your your company is right now. And, but you have about a hundred certified or plus trained certified people. So they're going out on your behalf of the company to help train, move through. How long is that? I'm curious if somebody might be interested in being a certified person for your team down the road. How long is that certification process to them come aboard? 12, five full-time. We're looking to hire someone in the Northeast. So if anyone's listening in the greater Boston metro area, we're expanding. The train, the trainer process, those are employees from the companies we work with who then come on board as 1099s. It takes 12 weeks, but they have the same certification and can take that outside their organization and teach at yoga studios. For example, we've got trainers in the LA area that teach at really nice boutique gyms outside of the organization. And during coronavirus, our classes were shut down internally, but they still taught outside to maintain their certification. And we're doing Zoom classes for the employees and so forth. But 12 weeks is the answer to your question. Got <laughs> it. No, good. No, good. Glad to know. It is interesting. First of all, good to know that you're, you're hiring. And two, that pretty cool that they're basically being able to become entrepreneurs outside of this with something they love. Obviously, if they get, they're getting certified, something like this, but they actually get to be their own entrepreneur, just like you are yourself. And they've taught to classes for universities, yoga classes for basketball teams. It's really cool to see the outreach of, hey, this is your starting point. And then each year they have that experience and the continuing education built in where they just get better over time. (laughs) That's awesome. That is super awesome. So I love to talk with entrepreneurs who are, had that great idea. You've proven it works. You're obviously growing, right? You just said you're, you have new employees you're looking to bring on. You're certifying new people. What has been the biggest challenge that you've experienced in just growing? The right people on the bus. I'm sure you've heard that before, but it's <laughs> good to great. It truly is our, I'm not a boss that believes in being a helicopter, right? So we're all based in different locations. We've had a couple teammates that have been plus five years with the company. And once you've been with the company for five years, you get a free trip anywhere in the world that your call where you want to go. Because we all believe in like that experience brings us together. And I want our team to be completely happy. And I'm just there to support. Lasso, bringing him in. I was watching Apple TV. <laughs> and the same way, it's just like behind the scenes. <laughs> I really, 
like how he doesn't overtake and you can't be as a leader, just a driver, driver. People get tired of that. I just want to be a supporter and what's success to you individually as an employee of the company and let your personality come out and then plug that and just let it thrive. That's really where we're at. So the struggle is making sure the right people on the bus, because for me, if I hire someone and they're on for less than two or three years, at the very least, I feel, man, we missed that. So we want long-term employees that are passionate about our craft. I, and what people, if you're just listening audible, I apologize. When he talked about on the bus, I point out to the good to great book. And then when he brought up Ted Lasso, I have a little, almost looks like his angel of Ted Lasso and a candle. I don't know how I got it. anyways. And what's fun, my brother-in-law actually wears a hat that has it when he was angry, Ted. I think it was Led Tasso or something like that. He like mixes up the words. And it's funny because everyone will say, oh, Ted Lasso. I said, no, it's Led. it's the anger guy. <laughs> it's, he was trying to change his persona briefly, get people more motivated. But it was a very short term because people can't handle or they don't generally prefer, right? For somebody to be on their back all day long and working. And obviously you've given people that freedom. I love that five years. So that's each employee, once they hit the five-year mark, they can, that's one of the rewards, if you may, the gifts again, get to go towards there. That's exactly right. And they don't even need to use their vacation time. It's pay. So go enjoy it. Let's, yeah, it's just a culture. It's, it's, that's what we're really trying to build, right? Because the happier our team is, the happier the people they work with will be and it's contagious. That's awesome. That is super awesome. So I'm curious now, okay, you think, let's look way out 10 years from now. Are you thinking that way for a suitcase of courage? You have this long-term vision about where this may go? The beautiful thing is every new company we work with has all been referrals. We did not have any marketing budget until this year. And we work with a great guy out of Winston-Salem now that's starting to tell the success stories because for us, success looks like, oh, here's a spreadsheet and a success story tracker. Let's get to 100 meaningful, impactful success stories. And then at one of our, each year we do a team summit where we see a different part of the country. And our director of operations, he had a bottle of champagne. He's like, we're going to crack this when we get to 100. And we set that out there. And it's just been organic of this individual lost over 100 pounds or this individual doesn't have shoulder pain when he rides his motorcycles on the weekends, even though he needs to utilize his shoulders working overhead. That's what's allowed us to grow and it's truly been from the heart. So we've just been trending up to the right from referrals and people talking about our business, which has been cool. That is really cool. Yeah, there's no no better. The true sustainable business is when you have referring clients moving in the right direction. And then you're heading towards that. It's exciting. It's exciting to see once again, what you've built and developed. But what's also funny is this is not an overnight success. You're already eight years in the making of this company. And, but it's the good news. It's just the beginning. It seems like in terms of you have a long-term opportunity ahead for this. That's correct. We're not looking to sell. There's been a couple of insurance companies in the past that have approached us, but no, what we're doing is actually, I don't want to say anti-insurance, but if they were to get our program, it would be diluted. It wouldn't be as personal going back to the suitcase. So we're here to stay with the right team. So let's talk about, I never did ask specifically, give a little bit more insight. What does the suitcase of courage mean in terms of a title of your company? What is that? What's the deeper meaning behind that? Before it was a company, I was in, based in England in grad school. And it was a belief, right? Dig into the suitcase of courage. A friend of mine, we had just done a race and it was on the continent. And then after it was like, man, the Americans, we didn't do too well. And we're like, you know what? 
we don't need these snacks. His, it was from Wisconsin. His mother sent over an old Samsonite suitcase full of Oreos because you can't get Oreos and things like in England. All right, we didn't earn these. So we threw away all the snacks, wrote courage on it in a Sharpie and went and cycled around the Isle of Wight, which is south of England. And just, I think we ate maybe 200 calories. We're completely knackered. And so it became like a mantra, like dig into the suitcase of courage when times get rough. And as a belief for the company, it means a lot of people we saw looking at job task analysis and all these things they advise from afar. They never actually take the time and spend the time with the employees to let them learn about what's going on. Because you can't help someone until you know how much you, they actually care. Like it's from the heart. Like we do not want these employees to get hurt. Yes, that saves company money, but the suitcase meaning coming to the location, no matter if it's middle of nowhere, Alabama, Los Angeles, Seattle, wherever we may be, we have to show up and be at our best. And then the courage for you to trust us for the program, and hence the suitcase of courage from the business side and implement. That is awesome. So from a business perspective, how do you measure success? The MSK, going back from us, what is success? Musculoskeletal injuries, did they decrease? Yes or no. Then that will look like financial savings to the employee. If there's financial savings, we have multi-year contracts. We're not a used car salesman. Oh, do this and maybe we'll be here next month. So it's that relationship and also showing them with the modules we have, a physical therapist determines them. So we actually have aptly scratch tests, hamstring flexibility. So all these quantitative results that we can go back that support lowering the MSK injuries. And at the same time, those personal testimonials. And if someone sends us a before and after picture of losing hundred pounds and says how much they enjoy Fujifilm Fit, for example, and their free gym, that's success for us. Outward facing. Love it. Love it. No, thank you. Thank you. And I love that how it's very discreet. I have obviously this core MSK, which you've identified, but then there's a bunch of leading indicators, which also might get you to that, right? It's the end result of a lot of hard work, right? That people are doing on a consistent basis to ultimately get towards there. Now, if you've been listening to this, you've noticed that Cameron has a little bit of a, some might call it accent, some would call it quite local voice. Waterloo, South Carolina, I think you told me 164 population. That's correct. So how in the heck did kid from South Carolina end up? I love it how you were actually throwing out English terminology. You threw out some English slang that was like nobody <laughs> in the, you know, the audience, probably very few people. We got some global audience, but we we're picking up on that. What led you to there? What led you to actually going overseas from start out in Waterloo, South Carolina? Yeah, Waterloo, growing up in a small town, there's only, I played high school football and basketball, right? That's the only two sports. There's no track and field. We didn't have a track team or anything. But then after that was coming to an end, I was working as a personal trainer and got introduced into triathlon when I was at university. So triathlon then, if you are playing high school football, you're doing a lot of squats, lower body work, right? That translated well with endurance to push bike pedals really hard. And if you can push bike pedals really hard, it gets you up in the standings. And then over time, I know a sponsor picked up the, hey, this I was out racing, Carl, sleeping in my car. I would do back-to-back triathlons, like just charging. And at the time I was cutting seven to eight yards to pay for all the gas money. I did that all through high school, started doing that at 12. So you just have this 
amount of endurance from working right up there with my grandpa in the field farm cutting grass like endurance was just built into me from a young age and my dad was like all right you got to do this there was always something to do so then triathlon results started taking off i won a local like ymca circuit in the carolinas that led to racing at the national championship with the Clemson team in Texas and having the second fastest bike split in the nation at that time, and then picked up a sponsor. And then after that, grad school, that's how it goes. So I saw there was an opportunity to get my master's in one year in England, and that's such a great program. Instead of spending two to three years accruing all this debt, I went for going to grad school in England, then I had a sponsor that allowed me to race on the continent and even have better results in triathlon over time. So they really worked together well. So Monday through Thursday school, I would always go on the weekends, pretty much every weekend, race a triathlon in Europe where it was booming in the early 2010s. And yeah. That's, and if I, you became a two-time national champion, is that right? That's right. So collegiate triathlon, they have D- division one, division two. I won division two national champion. I think I was top 15 at the time in the nation with the second bike split. And then I came back from England and I won duathlon national championship where you run a 10K, bike 80K, run 10K. But yeah, I, but that was it. I was full time. At that time, there was no... I, I was living in an apartment with less than 300 square feet with the bike trainer. There was no seat or there was only a bed and the bike and my work computer and just going for it. <laughs> wow. That, that is crazy. And so what's fun about, I love that story, by the way, how, you know, you didn't even have track when you were growing up. So this, these weren't even, you didn't even have the opportunity, like literally right, to get into this. And then you found it through, basically through college, sounds like you started getting this opportunity to like try some new things, found out, oh, faster than I thought, so to speak, compared to actually people that are out there competing on a national level. What did, you must've just surprised some people, right? They were like, where did the heck did you come from? Yeah, it was pretty cool to see because you're just dark horse, right? And over time, the circuit then triathlon was booming around that time. So a lot of people were getting into it and it allowed me to develop some relationships. I was the youngest person on the sponsored team. And you had a lot of managers from business that were in their late thirties that kind of took me under their wing. And I would go on these long bike rides with them and they would teach you things about life. More not more of what not to do than to do. I think that's important. And I still have those relationships today. And the team manager, Rick Katoof, shout out to him. We're like best friends. We still talk all the time. And he used to be trained by Chris Carmichael, who was one of the best trainers in the entire world and had fantastic results. Wow. Wow. So if if you also, once again, you got to look up, if you haven't already been listening to this and you haven't already looked up Cameron Doran, you also have two world records. It's related to burpee. Now, First of all, how in the heck did you think of, I'm just going to do this burpee world record? And how, where did you, what inspired you to do that? Because it must be like the most, one of the most hated exercises in the world, right? Is do a burpee. It is. It's supposedly the most calorically taxing or energy expenditure exercise that you can do. When after grad school, I worked in a sales position, working with like enzymes and probiotics, we didn't have our own brand, but we worked on the back end for contract manufacturing for all these different brands. And time is, time is short. Like you're working out, you want to make sure whatever you're doing, you're getting the most bang for your buck. 
and we used to have sales conferences in Vegas. Have you you've been sure and stayed at hotels in Vegas? Of course. Yep. It's tough to get out of that hotel. They want you in the casino. That's right. So I only had so much time. So in my room, I would go back. And that's when I was racing elite triathlon. Then I would do 30 minutes of burpees at a time, just knocking them out just to get the heart rate up where I want to be. And it just became my go-to exercise. And then when I came back, I did a climbing trip. I was down in New Zealand and I came back and my high school had just started a cross country team. Wow. Look at that. Full, full circle, huh? Full circle. 2013. And these kids didn't have the right footwear to start out with. They were just pure. They were out there running. And I worked with the coach. She was awesome and helped with a little training plan. And then it just came to my heart that you got to do something to help these kids out. Because the beautiful thing, Carl, about running is if I can run an 18-minute 5K, it doesn't matter how small of a town I'm from. Mm. I like football where they're like, oh, they're just playing these teams. 18 minutes is 18 minutes. So they can get a scholarship. And then like I did, that's the next step to let you see more of the world, introductions and opportunities. So that's what really put it on my heart to say, hey, we're doing this for a fundraiser for Ware Shoals High School. And in another school, we were at climbing down in Peru because the money goes so much farther outside the U.S. too. So we built a whole rock climbing wall for these kids down in Peru, got them school supplies for multiple years, got the kids in Wershaw's High School garments with heart rate monitors that they could use, pass down all new shoes, and then set the world record for that one. That, yeah. So once again, yeah, what's funny, you just said the little small thing there. You raised all this money, you did all these amazing things, but you broke the world record. So describe that you you did not only the the 12 hour, but the 24 hour record and you like blew it out of the water. So give some of those stats so people have an idea. This was no small task. Right. It was exactly. And the world record that time was 7,684 for 24 hours. I think for 12 hours, it was 5,000. It was set at on the dot. And I knew in my heart, I was like, look, everyone's done their work with the donations. And it's funny, like that mindset, anyone that can see, you just clock in. Like this, the mind going to avoid. This is what I know I need to do. Here's my plan. Here's my heart rate. Yeah, this is what you're meant to do and put on this earth for. So that process was keeping my heart rate below I had a certain number at that time that kept it below my lactic threshold because people before tried to break it and they just went out too hard, too fast, including the Spartan race founder, Joe Decina. He made a big thing. He couldn't absorb the calories. He was throwing up, but you got to pace it and just be, just stay with it. Lost four toenails, all the skin off my knuckles. It's pretty wild what the body can take. And yeah, one of those days, man. And then did 10,103, which worked out to be eight per minute if you did it for 24 hours, but I did it in 21 hours. In reflection, I should have kept going the last three hours because now the world record's been broken, but only by like 600 or something. Slackers, come on. (laughs) The first time it was broke by two and the gentleman was a big fitness trainer and it was in Dubai and they had this big fun, not fundraiser. They paid a lot of money and stuff. I'm like, come on, (laughs) no, do it for the right reasons. That's awesome. Okay. So now though, you're going trying to break, you have something on now, by the time this gets released, you've already been another, you're going to, you're going to break another world record. So describe your next 
world record thing you plan to do. That's right. And it goes back to where Shoals, even though I live on the West Coast, I love the, man, I'm from Waterloo and where Shoals, that's hometown, right? You've got to stay grounded. Like we were talking earlier, don't forget where you're from, right? Bring all the goods in the world and stuff and integrate that back to where you're from. And that's my belief now. And it, it brings up fulfillment, but it's called Step the Step Up Challenge. On our website, which I'll share with you, it has a little thing where people can fill out what goal they're aspiring to go after. And we're going to provide a couple coaching sessions after from our full time. It's step ups for eight hours. So on a, like a box, you step up double the normal like stair height. And I need to go up and down the Empire State Building. I think it's 11 times is what it's equal to and do almost 9,000. The world record now is 8,898. And I'm aiming for a little higher than that to, to break the record. And it's benefiting four different organizations that's lifted on the website and just making people aware. There's a lot of things they can step up to the plate too, but don't be afraid to get up and get after it. That's amazing. I love this. So you, and so I'm curious, how did you, how are you, are you training for this? What are you doing to like get yourself ready so you can actually achieve that? activities for daily life like being able to do what you want to do when you want to do it that is success i know we might talk about for me personally it's not pigeonholing yourself so you have to be because once you get to a place and it no longer becomes fun there's beauty and amazing results like when that marathon record gets lower amazing kipchoge did everything to that I have, I've determined my personality is best to get to a certain level. And that's a very high level and then still be able to do things. And then mm -hmm. just, Oh, I want to swim for an hour today. I can do this. Or I want to bench press this, that that's fulfillment rather than this is the one thing you're good at Cameron. Mm -hmm. That almost sounds bad to me. Oh, you just did burpees. No, I, but I can still run a marathon anytime under three hours. I want to. It's it kind of, it's fun. <laughs> Yeah, just camera. I'll let you say it. You just completed how many Boston marathons? You just completed eight. I got a little streak of eight at the moment, which is yeah. Yeah. So once again, those who are marathon runners understand the Boston is the elite. It is the it's the race of races for marathon runners. And you're and we were. My hope is to run in two years from now. And so that would be your 10th. So my hope is the one time I get there, which of course will be a charitable exemption unless something crazy happens in the next 18 months, Cameron. But how amazing that you're going to be, you're be your 10th that period of time. Also we're record holder, but you were just talking with Chad recently and you guys are planning now, let's see the premieres. Did I hear, get that right? right? Okay. So what are the premier mountains? Where are they located? And what is this next climb you're thinking about? So the Pamirs are the highest mountains outside of the Himalayas. It's also in Asia, former USSR. Peaks there are named like Peak Lenin, Communism Peak, which has hence been renamed to a local name. I will have to look at my notes for that name. It's about four different uh, words. And Chad, who I met, and thank goodness he introduced us. I met Chad actually at the summit of Mount Hood. Oh, no kidding. No, that's how you guys met. He never did tell me how you exactly you met. Got it. We were on the summit, but he had climbed up with a different party and I was alone. I met him at Mount Hood. He just had a, a magnetic energy to him and there were a lot of people down climbing one way. And I was going a different way to come down with another guy that I met and Chad came with us and we down climbed that way. So that's the backstory on that. But the Pamir's amazing. K Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan. 
the beauty of these places because they're so untouched, right? When you go over there, it just makes you think you just can't, you can't take anything that you know about U.S. society with you. You just have to be present there and work off their time, which I really think opens up a lot of space in your mind. And it's just a form of growth. So mountain climbing, big 23,000 foot peaks. But I see it as a fun way to de-stress and relax. So let, I want to take this to people are probably listening to your story going, once again, these aren't ordinary things. You described running multiple marathons. You've described planning to, and I know you will, you've climbed these 24,000 foot peaks, getting ready to head on to do your next world, basically world-class. You're going to get another world record holder in terms of the step-up challenge you have coming up. But now you're also, your work is working with people who are maybe for some never exercised in their life. Right. And now all of a sudden you're helping them. So how do you help the, I'll call it, I heard this term recently. I loved it. NARPs, non-athletic regular people for the rest of us. This is, by the way, a little term there. If you had a division one athletes or athletes, and then people who are not division or non-scholarship, so to speak, they call them non-athletic regular people, NARPs. That's the rest of us. That's the 99.9% of us is, are, aren't fortunate enough to have the athletic genes, if you may, or determination. So how do you help the rest of us start, start? Right. So they actually can start developing their body, start developing the confidence so they can do what you said. I love it. So they can go ride their bike if they want to with their kids or they can go pass, play football with their grandchildren, whatever it might be. How do you help people get that mindset that their bodies can actually do it? Yeah. And I think Simon Sinek, another book, all in the background, start with why. At the end of the day, I'm 200 pounds, Carl. I should not be a run. Running is hard for me. It is the hardest activity. But there's there's an attraction to something that's difficult because usually that's the most reward. And it's a lot easier to sit down and watch the new Netflix series. But the reward you get from knowing you stand up, okay, I can still watch a little of that, but I'm going to go take a walk around the neighborhood. And then the endorphins that come in from that little bit of movement And I've seen it with my parents now, my father being retired and going through a full like a full knee replacement. And he always worked outside with his hands, right? But then I was like, dad, if you go and bring in that strength work and change your body composition over time, you're going to feel so much better. Now he's not doing it for the look per se, but he feel, once you get that feeling and that feeling inside of whatever may be bike riding, moving, that's what I want the person to feel because that's that and that's nothing you can buy. It's something you have to earn. And that stays with you every day. And it's one of those keystone habits that's, man, do I really want to drink this drink late at night? Or do I want to wake up the next morning and feel good about myself right when I wake up? And yeah, that, that's how I see it. It's no one definitive answer. But it's also not every day going out there and torturing yourself and thinking you have to be at some high heart rate. Just do the day to day and keep your heart rate low and enjoy it. And that's a process. Enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you said that because there's always this pain association with working out. But you're what you've talked about, and obviously you work out crazy hard. If you're having your finger losing four toenails, right, doing doing something 
you understand overcoming and getting through pain. But what we actually say through it is you should be doing it because of the why, right? There should be a why that's important to you, but actually will create joy and it can be joy and can have fun, if you may. You are right. saying that through this. It's not just about killing yourself, so to speak. It's actually about creating more life through it. It should be the killing yourself few and far between the Boston race day, the burpee, the step up. Yesterday, for example, I needed a long, slow distance. So I put on my hiking boots. I'm in Arizona right here at the base of the Superstition Mountains. I looked up an old topo map from the 1920s and went out and found the mine. That was my long, slow distance and carried a backpack with water in it and then took a sleeping or a tent that I found out there and packed it out because it was 10 pounds. Added some more resistance training. You, you just got to make it fun. If it's not fun, there's no reason to do it long term. And the mind was like super cool. There, there's so much. That's the I think be having your body be able to do what you want to do allows you to see so many more things. Or someone like we were saying, that's when I retire. We hear that a lot in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Make sure that your body is good in your mind for you to do what you want to do when you retire, because that's not guaranteed for anybody. Oh man, we could have a whole podcast <laughs> on that alone. I think it's sometimes the scariest thing that people do is that we weren't meant to lie down and just watch TV all day. That, our bodies were not designed for that. And and, and honestly, you I see we see in executives like they they will get their big payout. And oh, I'm just going to play golf every day and they go crazy. There has to be a plan and your body and your mind have to be together to enjoy that next phase otherwise you're going to go nuts right? There's only so many Netflix shows. There's unlimited. Absolutely. Is that, yeah. Is that going to be it? Is that going to help drive your life, your value? That's why, once again, I love to have people like you, Cameron, on this to help inspire our audience. Where I hope there's at least one person, two or a hundred or 500 or thousand people listening and going, I can do that too. I might not be able to set this, but I can I want to have the freedom to be able to go out and do the things I do on a regular basis and have passion around it, enjoy it, right? But yeah, the reality is there's going to be some uncomfortableness on getting to there, but that's what's part of the fun of it, honestly, right? Is once you achieve something you've never done before, it's, wow, what can I do next? And that's what I think is so amazing. And that was neat talking with Chad and it's kind of what's this next, because that you've probably seen or heard this before. And sometimes people will have that after downer, right? they completed something and then they're like, what's my next thing? And there should be, right? We should be creating something next to achieve and strive for it because it helps drive our day-to-day -day activities and what we're doing on a regular basis. What would, if you're, I know it should be, there shouldn't be just a, for anybody, but if you were to just tell people in 10 weeks, you can do this. And this is for anybody. What would be like, the best 10 week program, so to speak. And I know that's a hard thing to even ask of something that nearly anybody could do in nearly any condition and get to do something that's possible. And the most basic running, going back to it, running, walking a 5k, something to, and that gets you to a goal. Here's the reason I say a 5k, it should be a race, not some just, Oh, I walk 3.1 miles. You want to get in around a community that's supportive. If you're out there and you're doing that 5K, talk to people beforehand. I love jumping in random 5Ks across the nation, meeting people and racing. Because then if it's in your community, you can then run or walk with someone that's near your pace 
and maybe you job. That's a training partner for in the future, or at the very least, hey, I saw you out there. You got me today. Which one are you going for next time? And they mm. tell you what their next race is. That's going to get you to the next starting line. And in the back of your head, hopefully work on you a little bit to get you out there and training to be better and improve that time. That's so awesome. I would start there with that background, but at the same time, don't neglect the strength work. So get your good shoes, do a couple of air squats, wall sits, right? Because there's a lot of impact and just enjoy it because there's nothing like it's a it's a beautiful race that that 5k really is (laughs) yep yep i I love that all right so i always like to ask our audience all of our guest members excuse me i like to ask all our guest members what is a book that you'd recommend for our audience that really inspired you sometime in your life yeah this goes back i was on our I had left my first position after grad school. It was a sales position. And I traveled around the world for seven months. So I was climbing Camino de Santiago, ran with the bulls. It was fantastic. And I was in New Zealand, Carl. And I saw Bear Grylls, a survival guide to life. This was 2013. And it was $25. I was like, that's a lot of money. I was living on a shoestring budget. I go back to that book every month. There's so many notes in it, just quick liners, great quotes all the way. Survival Guide to Life, Bear Grylls. Survival Guide to Life. And you said Bear Bear Grylls? Bear Grylls, the survival, the gentleman. I've never seen a full TV show of his. I'm that bad at watching TV. I'd rather read the book, Man Versus Wild. The British SAS soldier. And he had a back injury, a catastrophic back injury, parachuting, and then came back and was successful. But it's, it's, yeah. That's awesome. Great recommendation. I have not read that yet. And that that is perfect. So thank you so much for that recommendation. Cameron, how can people find out more about you and also the fundraiser that you're getting ready to do right now, which once again, we're, I'm going to post some stuff in the interim prior to us. Once again, you're going to be completed by the time this has actually gone through, but people can, I'm sure, donate after the fact. Give us some more context of contacting you, your company, as well as the donation things that you're doing. That's great. So the best for the Suitcase of Courage, it's thesuitcaseofcourage.com. Check that out. It has our work, our programs, explains our wearable technology and so forth, which we didn't get into much, but it shows how we do the job task. I have social media accounts. I do my best to keep them updated. Facebook, Cameron Dorn. And an Instagram that I am now, I have 15 posts. I was told that I need to post more on Instagram because I have cool photos. So I'm working on that, Carl. (laughs) (laughs) And LinkedIn, of course, Cameron Dorn. I'm active on LinkedIn. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much for providing those recommendations. And Cameron, it has been a real, I'm super excited to have gotten to talk with you and get to know you. I look forward to following even you're inspiring me. And then once again, you give me another, I want to see you in that 10th, your 10th Boston. So I'm going to be doing all I can to make sure I can achieve that goal, which is tremendous. But thank you so much for being a guest on the Measure Success Podcast. Glad to be here. You verbalize it. So I'll see you there, Carl. I know you're going to be on the start line. I got faith. Thank you. Thank you. No, I can't wait. Exactly. Start. You're gonna have to wait a little bit till you get to the finish, but I'll, I will get there.
I'll give you the key tips of the best places to visit along the way so you don't have to take as many steps and you can get to the start line well rested, ready to rock it. That's very good to know. Exactly. You got plenty, plenty of experience of that. And to everyone else who's listening, I just want to thank you so much for listening to the Measure Success podcast. I hope you've loved listening to Cameron Dorn. We encourage you to go onto our website, give our ratings. We're excited that we're now in the top one and a half percent of all podcasts out there. And we want to continue to grow and be one of the absolute best out there. So thank you so much for your support and have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.